1: Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, to talk with Cambria Dumasno about the future of work and AI as your coworker, not replacement. Cambria dumas welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Washington. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about AI and the current work situation and the future of work. Specifically, I want to look at the future of work and utilizing AI as your coworker, not a replacement. I know there's a lot of buzz around this and a lot of concern, a lot of people wringing their hands Around displacement of workers, displacement of jobs, people getting really nervous about that. And certainly, you know, we'll get into it, but certainly, you know, there's opportunity for some displacement. But I think there's so much opportunity for an expansion, a dramatic expansion of productivity and efficiency and the types of things that we can do, which really, really excites me. So this is what we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Cambria's bio with everybody. Cambria Dumasnil helps learning and development consultants and teams develop generative AI strategies that transform their workflows and enhance learning experiences. Throughout her career, she has spearheaded numerous technology-centered projects that have improved workflows, increased knowledge sharing, and enhanced communication quality. She is a firm believer in the power of collective creativity to add real value for our businesses and learners, whether they are internal or external. And I love everything about that. And I also just want to say, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while now, um, probably ever since ChatGPT uh, was released. Uh, You have a very strong presence on LinkedIn. You're always posting really great thought-provoking things, and I've really, really enjoyed um, those interactions, which caused me to reach out to you to invite you on as a guest. So I'm super excited to have a chance to to talk with you and, and have you share your insights with my audience today. Before we dive on into the conversation, anything else you would like to share by way of your background, your personal context, and then we'll get going.
0: I think the only thing I'd like to share is that I am newer to AI, so I don't have a background in machine learning, computer science, anything like that. So AI, that's what's really exciting to me is that it's for everyone now. It didn't used to be the case. I started um, working when ChatGPT was first released to the public, and Mm -hmm. it's really just about being able to experiment, being able to see what others are doing and learning from that, and then applying it to your own work.
1: Yeah, very good. Very good. And I, I I, have to reflect back. I don't remember the day, but it was it was within a day or two of it being released, you know, that I caught the buzz. And I think I spent it was like we we go to bed, my kids are in bed, my wife is asleep. I'm laying there in bed scrolling through TikTok, video after video of chat GPT doomsday videos about how it's gonna like destroy the world. And I just remember probably an hour of just like scrolling through and watching all these videos. And thinking, I mean, honestly, this I, I get how people can be nervous, but this also sounds super cool. And it was the very next morning I went in and I signed up and I started exploring. I started playing around with it. And my goodness, it is, I mean, there's certainly limitations for sure, uh, but it is super cool. And there's so much you can do. One of the things that you share often on LinkedIn are... Um, different ideas around prompts and and ways that it can specifically be utilized within the learning and development space. But like you said, uh, you know, there's different use cases. There's all sorts of different ways that we can utilize it regardless of function, whether you're in HR, you know, generally, more specifically L&D, or even outside the HR realm, and you're in a totally different part of the organization. There are ways that you can utilize these tools, whether it's ChatGPT or some of the others that have been released since. Uh, they are fantastic tools if we can learn how to use them, learn what they're capable of and and realize you know how to use them ethically and responsibly.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point about ethically and responsibly at an organizational level, we have to have some of those policies in place, of course, but also being able to make it available to employees. so they have the opportunity yeah. to experiment on that individual and team level too.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the first things you know, I started hearing, and it's still a concern, I suppose, um, around just the, the data um, security issues with OpenAI and ChatGPT. And I know some of the others that have come out since um, have a different approach to the openness and the data security. Uh, so if organizations are concerned about OpenAI in particular, there are alternatives, there are other options. Mm-hmm. But the question is, do you allow... I mean, first of all, can, will you allow people to utilize it or do you just completely shut it down? And do you even encourage your people to utilize and explore and test it out and see what is possible and give them a chance to share with each other what they're learning and different use cases and different types of prompts and things that might be able to help benefit them. Uh, but that's that's where leaders and organizations are getting nervous. That's where uh, individual workers are getting nervous because they're thinking, well, you know, if I, if I just automate my job away, then, then what's going to happen to me? Uh, and, and I think that's a completely understandable concern yet. I also think, you know, we, we have to think about it from the standpoint of increased efficiencies, productivity, and just the, the opportunity for you to unlock your creativity through the, the, the rapid generation of creative ideas that can happen mm-hmm. through, um, the assistance of generative AI.
0: Yeah. And one of my first use cases, I, first tried it out, just creating family recipes and um, mm-hmm. a meal plan mm-hmm. for the week. But once I experimented personally, I I decided to try it out for work-related things. Um, beyond AI before this, I started doing a lot of content writing as a freelancer in the HR space. So I just asked it to write a blog post for me. And I was very impressed by what it came up with and then a little worried too, because what's that going to do to my clientele if it can create something in a matter of seconds that normally took me a week going through outlines doing the research. So it can be scary to have that ability to do that and the thought that it could replace you or you're going to become redundant and obsolete. But once I was able to experiment with it more and find value within my own workflow of how I could apply it, not to replace what I'm doing or to just completely automate it, but to enhance it and augment my work. I think that's where the real value lies and being able to experiment with that within your own workflow is how you're going to find that too.
1: Yeah. And, and so as I was introducing this episode, you know, I framed up around the future of work, utilizing AI as your coworker, not a replacement. Now, certainly As I mentioned, you know, there will be some displacement. Anything that can be automated, whether that's, you know, physical automation via advanced robotics or it's digital automation and technological automation via AI or other advanced computing systems, you know, that's going to continue to happen. It has been happening. It's been happening at every different stage of the industrial revolution. Uh, It it happened with the huge disruption of the personal computer with the Internet. Uh, You know, this is just the next stage. And it will happen. But if we look back, if we look at the arc of history and we look at how technological disruptions have influenced the nature of work, while there has been disruptions at each stage, there has also been a huge unlocking of other opportunities, new industries, new job types, new professions, um, and just the reality that you don't have to spend all of your time doing these manual things or these these rote uh, repetitive things over and over and over again because you have other systems, other technologies that can assist with that. Uh, so I really like your framing around AI as a coworker as opposed to AI as a replacement. Also recognizing with the caveat that there will be some level of replacement, but there will also be an increased opportunity of, of just a huge range of new things we haven't probably even conceived of yet.
0: Yeah, I think one thing in the research that really stood out to me, so the OECD, the Organization for mm-hmm. Economic Cooperation and Development, they had identified different ways that tasks can change. So that's really where we're going to see the impact on the workflow is how those tasks we do change. And they have four different ones. So there's a complementary change if it enhances our ability to do the tasks. Like we were talking about augmenting the work. The worker's still responsible for it, but they're just doing it in a better way that's more efficient, more productive. It even produces better outcomes, Um, especially with learning and development. We can look at not just creating course outlines, course content, but actually changing the learning experience through creating chatbots or Mm -hmm. having adaptive scenarios. And then you get into the task replacement, so either fully replacing the task, and that's where that labor displacement comes into, or partial, and it's downsizing not on layoffs, but you need less people to do the work. But also task creation. So there's going to be a lot of new roles, I think, that we're going to see. And the more comfortable we become with AI, that's where we're going to find those opportunities within our organizations or future career paths that we want to get into.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I'm a university professor. uh, And so, you know, a lot of the videos I was watching after chat GPT was released is like, oh, this is going to completely destroy the entire educational system. It's all obsolete now. Uh, And oh, my goodness. I mean, talk about uh, Chicken Little, you know, screaming that the sky is falling and the world is ending. Uh, It's silly in a lot of ways, but I've continued, you know, I think people have tempered those kind of concerns over the last six plus months. But there's still plenty of, of people in the educational space that are thinking, you know, th- what do we do? How do I do this? How do I, you know, students are just going to use Chat GPT for everything. Um, mm-hmm. how can I have a meaningful experience? And I remember my very first thought as I was watching that that first night, it was just a day or two after Chat GPT had been released. And I was watching these videos. My very first thought is if I assign something that students can easily complete using chat GPT. It's probably a crappy assignment anyways. Uh, and so as a professor, I need to be thinking about how to up my game, how to have meaningful learning activities and experiences that require students to apply their understanding of of the subject matter and apply it in, in useful ways. It can be assisted by things like chat GPT and... and uh, uh, generative AI, but it it can't replace what I would expect a student to do if I craft good assignments, if I craft um, requirements for my students. And in fact, in the last six plus months, I've actually incorporated um, ChatGPT as a tool within my course uh, and encourage my students to utilize it so that they can, you know, like they don't have to spend as much time doing web searches and trying to to, uh, pull together relevant information. Uh, We talk about the ethics of it. We talk about plagiarism. We talk about not copying and pasting, just like I do, you know, in any sort of writing, plagiarism is not acceptable. Um, But we have those conversations and we talk about it how and how it can be utilized as a tool. And if I don't do that, I think inevitably my students will end up abusing it in a way that's not Ethical or healthy. If I do that though, then they see it as, oh, this is a really good resource. Just like years ago when people started using calculators, um, you know, when they're doing computations or they started using the personal computer or whatever, I'm sure there are people that wrung their hands about, well, now they're not really doing the work themselves. Of course they are. And of course, over time, you just learn how to use the different technologies to enhance what you're doing. And it's been a lot of fun to see what my students have done and like how the level of their output in a class project. Can go up dramatically because their productivity and efficiency is so much better uh, in how they're completing the project because they're utilizing some of these tools. So my expectation level has actually gone up, uh, and I feel like their learning opportunities and experience has go- increased and gone up as well. The other thing that I've done, and you just mentioned it in the L and D space, is the use of chatbots. And I've um, developed some some chatbots using Poe built on a couple of the different um, generative AI models. And it's super cool. And I embed them within my learning management system for my university courses, which, you know, I'm pretty accessible. If my students have a question, they can reach out. I'll respond pretty quickly. Um, I'll give them answers. But it's super cool when you have chatbots that are trained on your syllabus on, you know, I use a lot of open educational resource textbooks so I can train on the textbook. Uh, I can uh, train on the content of the course. And now there's like a real time chatbot tutor that's just right there in the course that they can get you know in milliseconds they can get answers to the most common questions and guess what that does for me that frees up my time so mm-hmm. I'm spending less time answering kind of the same silly questions you know there is such things as a dumb question from a student sometimes because <laughs> they don't like read your your syllabus or they don't like watch your introduction videos or they don't read the the uh the announcements and such and so this mm-hmm. takes care of that like it 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 responds immediately and the students get their answers immediately and they can move on and they don't get stuck. So I just see it as such an amazing opportunity. Now, could that displace me as a professor over time as things continue to improve? I mean, certainly there's a possibility of uh, more and more um, augmented reality, virtual reality, AI assisted learning um, that could in some ways threaten the way I do things. But mm-hmm. I just I just view that as like well that's an opportunity for me to learn how to adapt uh, in a, in an evolving world uh, where I can add, finding places where I can add value in a meaningful way and for me I've I've felt like this for a long time long before Chat GPT came out I've been a, a university professor for fourteen years um, I remember thinking even back. I don't know, 2010, 2011, I I was still fairly fresh, fairly new. And even in the first couple of years, I started to notice like things are kind of shifting. And in the 10 plus years since I've seen huge dra- dramatic shifts in the higher education space and what it looks like for me to be an effective professor in the classroom. And honestly, uh, it comes back to like my ability to coach and mentor my students. Mm-hmm. It, it comes back to my ability to curate knowledge and information for them in a, an accessible way that's scaffolded to help assist their learning. Uh, And those aren't easily replicable um, types of skills or types of behaviors um, using generative AI. Uh, And so that's, you know, if, if, if I'm, if I'm hanging everything about my job on my knowledge, you know, my ability to get into a classroom and lecture and like distill my wisdom and knowledge to the students, Mm -hmm. that, that was an obsolete approach 10 years ago, certainly. And it's definitely an obsolete approach now. So we have to look at like, where, what is the value added proposition of me in my position, whether it's me as a professor or it's you as an L and D person or someone in marketing or whatever, and then hone in on those things that are, are your best contributions and then focus your energy and time on those. And that makes it a win, win, win for everybody.
0: Yeah. I think there's a popular quote i don't know who where it came from but but ai won't replace you but someone who uses ai will yeah and with that you have to be just a little bit careful because it's not just using ai if you just think you're going to use ai to generate your content do everything for you but you're not doing anything to add value in lieu of that So going beyond and spending your time on extra things that are going to add value, adapting the way you do your work to support that. And so it's really a collaboration with AI rather than just having an AI tool do part of your job, because if that's the case, it probably will replace you or somebody else who knows how to use it effectively and can bring more to the table. I think that's where we're really going to see some of those changes.
1: So, so we want to learn how to utilize the tool. If you, if you don't, you're going to be left in the dust, (laughs) you're going to be obsolete. And in the university space, you know, I definitely see some of that. You see people, uh, I kind of joke about it, but back in the day I was going through, you know, the core of my education. I I remember, uh, a master's program back in the early two thousands. And I had a professor that was still using like overhead projector -hmm. Um, things. So you know, most people had moved on. You're either using the board or using PowerPoint or whatever. And he had his little overhead projector, and he had a a folder full of all of his transparencies, and he'd he'd stick them on, right? Um, and I just remember at the time thinking, "Oh my gosh, that's silly!" And this is just evidence that this guy probably hasn't even updated his content in like at least a decade or more. Um, Mm -hmm. and he's super brilliant guy. I was actually a really good class in a lot of ways, but also. Uh, not updated and and probably was lacking in some ways. And so, you know, as I think about, again, whether we're talking specifically about the L&D space within a corporate setting, or we're talking about a university, higher education kind of a setting, uh, the reality is this is just another tool that we need to learn how to use, uh, use effectively, train our students in using effectively. Uh, And if we don't use it, we're going to get left behind. We're just, we're going to be seen as less and less relevant. Uh, And that's one of my ongoing fears within the higher education space is like, that's, that's the kind of the ongoing battle we have anyways, is are we relevant in the modern world of work in the modern labor market? Um, And when we know public attitude around higher education has been going down, we know that a lot of universities have been seeing declining enrollments, and there's a lot of reasons for all of that. Um, But one of the things is you just, you have to do things that are relevant, that are applicable, that are going to prepare people, you know, give them a breadth of knowledge and understanding and a way to interact with the world, but also prepare them for effective careers uh, where they can be successful. And if we're not doing that, we become irrelevant. We become obsolete. Uh, And so that's just kind of a zooming out. That's kind of a a more of a meta kind of view of like how this could impact things like higher education. Uh, And certainly in the L and D space, same thing. If your training department is not learning how to utilize these tools Uh, guess what? Uh, You're going to have to be accountable for that. And you're not going to keep up with other organizations.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I know with any change, there's a lot of resistance. So there's kind of that fear of using new tools, especially in learning and development. I think um, we're a little late to adopt new technology sometimes. So I think being able to get over that, I really like how you mentioned using ChatGPT with your students and as part of that architect experience with the chatbots. I know a lot of times it's brought up about hallucinations in AI and all these other limitations, but a lot of those can be overcome if we set up the structure correctly. So just having students go out on their own and using ChatGPT without that guidance, it might not be as effective as if you can create those chatbots like you did trained on your information. So they're providing that that with um, them with the information that they need. And they're not just left on their own to try to figure out what ChatGPT is telling them, if it's true, if it's inaccurate, what those solutions are, and then trying to connect that back to the source information themselves.
1: Yeah and and the hallucination issue is a really important point like you said there's there's multiple areas you know where we need to be eyes wide open about potential concerns we need to be concerned about like how is the ai trained in the first place uh, are there are there is there potential for um data security breaches we need to be concerned about the hallucination effect uh some of those sorts of things but there are ways around these these different concerns uh and uh, what I found with the the hallucination effect, um, yeah, if you tr- if you are working with people and helping them, you're, you're training a good model first of all, and then you're helping them better understand how to go about effective prompts. Um, there's been lots of talk around prompt in- engineering as a skill set that people will need. Uh, and it, I don't know what you think, but I don't think it's like incredibly complicated to learn how to do effective prompts. Um, but it does take a little bit of exploration and trial and error. And it does take a little bit of, you know, trying, just trying to figure it out and, and then having some discernment, just like you teach students how to have discernment when they're doing web searches and what's a good source, you know, thankfully now the, uh, the the generative AI models are, they have options where you can have sourcing for the, the information that it's pulling in. So you can, um, cross check things and. Uh, so if a student might be a little naive and not really sure about the information they're seeing there, there are ways for you to actually check on that. And that's something that I ask my students to do. Like if you're using it, that's great, but show me your prompts, show me the outputs, show me the references, um, that generated the outputs, uh, and then do some fact checking and, and see what it says. And over time you can become more comfortable with uh, what you're seeing, but you also are learning about what is relevant information and what might not be as pertinent or, or or might even be false.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a great approach with validating the information that you get. And then as you're doing that and learning more about the different models, you'll know what's best for each task. So if you need accurate resources, eventually you'll learn that using ChatGPT4 with the plugins that have the web pilot is going to be a lot more effective than doing it in 3.5 and having to spend all that extra time trying to track down the sources yourself. So I think that's going to be one of the most important things skill wise is understanding the tools, understanding how they fit into the workflow or academic um, for students and then being able to adapt to those staying current too, because they're always changing. So that's another Mm -hmm. huge one. I can't keep track of all of them, but I follow a lot of people who do, so that makes it a lot easier so I don't have like, to do that work.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen posts from you. I've definitely seen it from other people, but like the weekly update of all the new <laughs> AI tools that have come out <laughs> and there's, there's like dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred plus that have been released just in the past week. You know, um, it, it, it is overwhelming. It, it can be at least, you know, so um, you know, do your best to kind of stay up on it. But there, thankfully, there are experts uh, like Cambria who, who you can lean on, who you can follow, um, who are doing a lot of this work for you. You don't have to do it all from scratch and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I know I haven't. Uh, I definitely lean on the expertise of those people that I, I'm connected with and interact with, for example, on LinkedIn. Uh, and it's been a hugely helpful thing for me. Uh, and I would definitely encourage everyone in the audience to do the same. Well, Cambria, this has just been a really fun conversation. I know we've only scratched the surface. There's a lot Mm -hmm. more we could say, um, but I also note the time I'm going to need to let you go here in just a few minutes. Before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work uh, and how they can connect with you on social media and such, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
0: Sure. So um, my main platform for social media is LinkedIn. It's Cambria duma now And then I also have the AI Innovation Lounge website. So that's AIInnovationLounge.com. And I have a lot of free resources on there as far as developing use cases, a prompt library. And this is specific to LD, but one thing I really like about AI and workflows in general is there's a lot you can pull from different sectors. So yep. a lot of my ideas come from marketing. They come from gaming. There's to so many different opportunities. So you can check that out and take a look. And I think the final thought just is not to be intimidated by um, chat GPT and AI. Yes, there probably will be some layoffs, but if you're willing to adapt, learn to use them, experiment, you're going to be a little bit more secure in your job and you're going to have more opportunities in the future as these new roles come out. And the landscape changes a bit as far as what job responsibilities are and key performance indicators, what it is that organizations are going to be looking at in the future.
1: Yeah. And just like any technolo- technological disruption, any new technology, uh, people who adopt it and people who use learn how to use it, they become an asset to the organization. So it, particularly mm-hmm. if you're worried about being displaced, that's all the more reason for you to jump in, to learn this, to Uh, try it, practice with it, see what it can do for you and for your job. And, and, you know, maybe you'll be able to wow your team. You'll be able to wow your boss. And all of a sudden you become indispensable uh, rather than easily replaceable. So uh, I think those are all really great uh, points that you've made. Cambria, it's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, to get connected, Uh, follow Cambria on LinkedIn, check out the website. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.